Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura. I'm Mac. I'm Eris. And I'm Z. And this week, your away team is continuing our march to con- almost conclude season one of the original series. So and close. We, so close. And we will watch, I think this week, a couple of good ones, I'm cautious to say, only because one of the ones we're watching next time is just absolutely lousy. But this week, we're watching The Devil in the Dark, which is episode 26, and Errand of Mercy, which is episode 27. Errand of Mercy, of course, is the first appearance of the Klingons, but we'll probably reserve most of that for the second half of our show. I think we'll uh, start talking about The Devil in the Dark. What's what's the situation? What What's up with this, uh, this, uh, Horda guy, lady, person. <laughs> Every time they said Horda in the in the show, I just thought Orchata. <laughs> <laughs> that works. I, I I've seen too much sci-fi. <laughs> like okay, yeah. I think we talked about this before. Like I I think Z and I have both been kind of like um like lowering our standards, I guess, a little bit. Because you have to like you have to think about it. like these were the '60s. There's been a lot of time between present day and then. Of like building up, you know, the mythos and culture of science fiction. We can kind of see it with a lot of hindsight while they were like still kind of exploring the space. This one actually like, this is a pretty decent sci-fi horror to start off with. This was the first time I think I really thought about what it would be like if they tried to remake Star Trek, like, but like keep the scripts as true as possible. Like, like what if somebody else with better cinematography skills shot this episode basically you know like what if they sent the script through editing a little uh, a couple more times and then shot it with like today's like camera standards what it would be like right with roddenberry dead that that could have happened a polish on the script and then uh, if like henson had gotten involved with the creation of the horda and mm-hmm. it wasn't just yeah. a, a weird a harp over a guy. Monster? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because um, I think the ideas and concepts are pretty solid. Maybe it's just because I've been kind of looking at like how how uh, cinematography works a little bit more. I say as if I haven't just spent like 30 minutes on YouTube. Like, how do, ca- <laughs> how do camera people have job? But yeah, I'm not an expert by any means. Yeah, I was looking at it and going like, man, this would be more like jump scare horrific if they just did a couple of tilted angles like the dutch tilt you know yeah. and I, you know i was like oh man if they could have just had swung the camera this way instead of done a pan shot like you know like i'm like i'm sitting here doing like the cinematography of it but at the same time you're like yeah. and i realize it wouldn't have played so well on like 60s television sets yeah. but like i would have loved everything to just be darker like yes. The only thing is like the light shining off of a, you know, a phaser or tricorder. You know, they all have flashlights or whatever. I would just love the whole ambiance to be a little bit darker. It it would have been awesome as, I I mean, this is a a theme I'm coming back to, is it would have been awesome as a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, shot in black and white on film, reliant on shadows, because I think it also taps into a very fundamental Spielbergian sort of idea that the longer you can go without showing the monster the scarier it is. Scarier it yeah. is. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Once I once I saw the monster, like like I wrote down broccoli cheese casserole monster. Yeah. <laughs> With a fried egg on top, and that's the wound. Right. Yeah. Sitting on a rug. Like Yeah. <laughs> my my video game brain was just like, oh, it's a fire slug. <laughs> It's a quintessential monster and like a bunch of like fantasy based adventure slash RPG games. Yeah. I'm like, it's a Legend of Zelda. It's a fire slug. If you could have tapped into the darkness of those caves and you don't know when it's going to come, right. and like you just got the miners in the darkness of, of, of trying to excavate these caves, and then like things start getting smoky, and then all of a sudden it's just, you cut to somewhere else and it's like, ah! And they, they find him later. Yeah. Like, oh, God, something ate him. Yeah, this th- I was thinking about um, the movie Alien. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching this, yeah, like it, it kind of taps into that kind of like that realm of sci-fi. The we went out to space and we dug too far, you know, kind of thing. Not quite Lovecraftian, but like man has gone further than where he was supposed to, kind of thing. I, I wrote a note here. I really appreciate speculative Spock in this. Mm-hmm. Where he was like, I don't know, but here's my most educated guess. And he said it even knowing that Bones is like making fun of him later. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. actually was like, you use those creative genes, you know? Like, you're not like, this is this is still based in like educated guess. But like, he's he just straight up here guessing, which a lot of scientist characters even now are like, no, I can't speculate on that. I deal only in cold hard facts. And Spock's going like, Look, people have died. I'm going to make my best educated guess here. That's a theme they come to a lot, back, back to a lot, is him ha- being forced to guess because it's not where his comfort is. Mm-hmm. And, and he will venture out on that limb and tentatively embrace his human side in that respect because if he was a pure Vulcan, he'd be like, no, no, we don't know, so yeah. uh, we're fucked. I thought one of the the most endearing parts of this episode was like strangely when he was low-key throwing a tantrum. Um, when Kirk is like, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to go be safe, and he was like, but, but, but I don't want to be safe. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting part for me too because, um, oh well, y- y- y'all know me. I'm kind of a a Spock fan apologist, um, <laughs> just in general. But like, um, Kirk was for for a second. I think I was I was thinking what what Spock was thinking was that like, is Spock getting punished for wanting to try to save this creature to not kill it outright you know it's like am i being punished for uh you know yeah. proposing that we should capture if all if all possible instead of just kill immediately because kirk was just like i'm gonna send you to this place where you're not useful which yeah, is like prime military punishment it's a really good example of good honest conflict between kirk and spock mm-hmm. where it's not them just blindly raging at each other they are working something out amongst themselves and mm-hmm. i think those tend to make the stronger star trek stories Yeah, and there's a great moment, like, a little bit later on where Spock changes. He's suddenly all, yay, kill it. But it was only when Kirk's life was in danger. That's when he kind of changed his tune about it just a little bit. So there's that little bit of, like, oh, now you care (laughs) about Kirk's (laughs) life over this This, creature. (laughs) This episode was hella gay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) <laughs> this is this is one for the fanfics. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if it's that gay. They're just hanging out in dark holes waiting to uh, <laughs> get heat warmed up. It's... <laughs> Listen, you leave Kirk and fuck dark holes alone. <laughs> also, Nimoy 
was I, there's a moment when he's uh, mind melding with the with the creature and he's like and I'm like quiet Nimoy is acting. Pain. <laughs> it's just pain like eight or nine times. Right. And I'm like, so let, let's just get clear. Pain is what you're trying to tell us. Okay, but then he said go into the tunnel like 20 times. <laughs> Kirk is so bad at following directions. Because like the whole time he's like, go to the tunnel. Go to the altar. Go, go, go. <laughs> What are we gonna do? Even before that, I think Spock had to remind Kirk that he told him that the tunnels they split and then they meet at, at some other point. So that's why they agreed to go different directions. And yeah. then later, Kirk's like, "What do we do?" And Spock's like, "Uh, remember the tunnels will meet." Yeah, yeah. this wasn't a Deus Ex Machina. I established this real early on. Yeah, I think Spock's most precious moment was when they were in the engineer's office on the planet and he was considering the egg, what we find to be the eggs for the first time. And it just looks like, hey, I found a ball. <laughs> He's just yeah. holding it. <laughs> yeah. my kickball? Yeah. And I think, like, Eris, I'm really glad you said earlier that you you had to consider that these are audiences in the 60s that are, like, seeing this kind of thing for the first time. Because me as a modern viewer, I got to the fact that that was an egg before yeah, Spock did. even oh. picked it up off the desk. Yeah. But, but the people at the time, they they were literally laying the groundwork for what I, as the modern viewer, have now come to expect and yeah. could have guessed much earlier on. But I can imagine maybe being a person watching this for the first time, be like, oh my gosh, those were eggs, and just being right. delighted at that. It, it yeah. feels like a trope created, but I can't immediately think of another example of it later on of... Oh, it's a monster. Oh, no, she's just protecting her eggs. It yeah. feels like such a very simple construction mm -hmm. that I, I, like, it almost feels like it should have been a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer or an angel at some point where mm -hmm. they're they're fighting against some hideous hell beast and then they they look in a book and find out, oh, those are just its eggs. So I feel like I've seen that on a Supernatural episode before, but I can't name which one right it, it, yeah. it feels like i've seen the story again but i can't for the life of me point to an example yeah uh jurassic park three where she hands the eggs back to the raptors and the raptors take it away and leave them alone yeah <laughs> all right yeah okay i'll take it i'll yeah. take it i'll take it i mean not a not a pure form of that trope but I mean, Alien did a kind of vaguely, although they they jumped yeah. they jumped straight into like, what are these strange things? Oh fuck, it's an egg! Right. <laughs> no, real quick, oh, no, so. it's an egg and that wants my face. <laughs> oh god! Uh, but I feel like I've seen it in other movies too, where they're like, yeah. oh no, we killed its children or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you know, dress because it's like when the T Rexes push the thing off the cliff because. Why are all my references Jurassic Park? Because I said Spielbergian a few minutes ago, and that's all you've been thinking about since. Yes. <laughs> this isn't necessarily strictly Star Trek, but I do find it interesting how a lot of Western movies don't understand that being a colonist is bad until they attach child murder to it. <laughs> you know? Right, right. They're well, like, we were totally fine with this until we realized we accidentally killed, you know, the precious small young life of this fragile ecosystem. Like, maybe just arriving here was bad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, but I, I uh, have more to talk about that later with um, <clears throat> Aaron of Mercy. <laughs> uh, 
it, it's interesting that the solution is just to let capitalism win at the end of the episode. It's just like, yeah. they'll help you mine. <laughs> Everybody yeah. makes a little bit of money. Nobody has to die. Eh, eh. And all the old white men who look exactly the same who work on this planet will all profit and everyone's happy. The end. Right. Oh, also, it's Smitter. Yeah, first of all, why is nobody working in pairs in this like right thing anyway? Number two, why is everybody in jumpsuits? I was trying to figure out what the there had to be a hierarchy with the color of the jumpsuits, but I I wasn't sure what was happening. Was it one guy who had the purple? Yeah. But he didn't seem to be in charge, so apparently yeah. Purple's not that fancy. Probably sewed his own, though. Like, <laughs> you know, he was like, just uh, those are not my colors. Purple, on the other hand, <laughs> that's where it's at. I mean, I don't know. if I was forced to wear a jumpsuit, I'd be doing everything I could to, to distinguish myself, to cover it in glitter or something. I will be the one, all oh, people be lining up to my, like my little bunk because I have the bazazzler. Like, <laughs> do you want, do you want a flutter Lee? I could do flutter Lee's real good. <laughs> like, here you go. I want to put on the butt on the ass or I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I can't with the future being all jumpsuits. I'm like, I'm going to need some more fashion here. <laughs> yeah. Well, for yeah. the ladies, it's usually just one little swoop of fabric covering the boobies, and then, like, <laughs> you're missing a whole part of your shirt until you get to the bottom parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah I'm kind of like, okay, look, there was a whole midriff showing thing in the real late 90s, early aught, but that lasted for approximately two and a half years because suddenly everyone realized... I can't keep up the ab workouts that long to make me <laughs> good in a midriff. So we went back to fully covering our torsos. Like, why has the future not figured this one out yet? This is right. a very common problem to solve. Because, <laughs> because Roddenberry wants to see as much of the female forms as standards and practices will allow him. Uh, so I kind of want to loop back around to the beginning. Okay. With Schnitter. Because honestly, he was my favorite character the whole episode. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, Schmitter. <laughs> Schmitter. Schmitter. Yeah. All right. I want to know. I, w- I want to know what he did to make everybody hate him. <laughs> that he had to go down one tunnel alone, and thirteen other people went down the other tunnel together. What? What? And the guy was like, "No, stay here. You'll be fine. Just let us know if there's a problem." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, gonna die, buddy." Yeah, but poor Schmitter. It was really funny. Like, I think the moment that I that I realized Schmitter was gonna be my favorite was when that one guy was like, "We can be here in three minutes," and him and Schmitter and I at the exact same moment said, "A lot can happen in three minutes." off of nothing that was presented in the episode that he was a chronic other people's lunch eater you gotta confess like do you eat other people's lunches like when you go to work and you bring you put your lunch in the fridge and everyone's got their name on their lunch like do you eat other people's lunches i don't eat it but i'm a like a thrower away person like if i if something's been in the fridge for three days like and it doesn't have a name on it it's going in the trash Oh, I'm sorry. No, like, I, you that's might have wanted to say care. that, but it's going in the trash. Like, y'all should label that or like, you know, like put the date on it if you don't want me to throw it away. And if you don't do that, 
you're going to get gnats in the house. <laughs> That's a joke before we started recording. That was a joke for an audience of three people who uh, are already on the show. So you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. That that joke was for me in part for me, and um, oh, I don't regret it at all. Yeah. <laughs> More jokes like that. Just I feel confident with my choice. Yep. Well, while we're talking about potentially the kitchen situation on this asteroid or planet or wherever they are, do y'all notice how, like, McCoy and Kirk were standing around drinking coffee while Spock was doing all the work and all the other men were out there getting murdered? There's a whole scene where they're literally just standing there sipping these cups. And I'm like, is there a Starbucks nearby? Like, what's going on? Why is Spock doing all of the work literally right now? I felt for Spock. I felt a real kinship that that moment. I really did, <laughs> you know, with the, the whole like, y'all went to go get Starbucks while I finished the group project. And you didn't right. bring any. <laughs> like, I see how appreciated I am. In that scene that's where i got to eggs and i'm pretty sure that spock also got to eggs but because bones made fun of him he was like i'm not gonna say it then because right. i'm petty he said i'm gonna keep my eggs to myself right i literally wrote in my notes all spock did was suggest a silicone based life form and the man who says he has a degree in space psychiatry and lives on a spaceship looked at him like he was crazy. <laughs> and said, you're creating fantasies, Mr. Spock. I'm like, <laughs> oh, next you're going to tell me we live on a spaceship and that you have pointed ears. <laughs> and this is this alien's babies. Yeah. Whatever. Of, of anybody, like, I get Kirk looking at him like, whatever, Spock, that's dumb. But, like, of anybody, I feel like Bones needs to be the, the fellow scientist for Spock. Right. If Bones was going to say that, then I absolutely needed Kirk to turn around and grab him by the, the cuff or the, the, you know, the collar of his shirt and be like, Bones, we've seen some dumbass shit. Right. <laughs> open your, open your horizons. <laughs> Not that long ago, a flower spit up in all your faces and you guys just had happy days. Like, you know, come on. I just feel for Spock so much. I love his whole, like, you don't need to insult me. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, what? We were a compliment. That's not a compliment. You don't need to insult me. Call me human. <laughs> you humans with, suck. <laughs> with that, I think we do probably need to hit our commercial break. So we'll go to our uh, commercial break. And we're back! This is DJ, 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 the double D with another one added in there. We're live here on Planet Jenna 6 at the Horda's Water Slide Park because capitalism will help your babies. They only know three words, so they can't fill out workers' compensation forms. Meanwhile, our live broadcast from today is brought to you by Dr. McCoy's A1 guacamole recipe. Dr. McCoy's guacamole. It will heal your wounds. Uh, so for our messages of social enlightenment, apparently nobody's been listening, but wear a mask over your nose and mouth. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Don't don't gather. Stop gathering. And then there are these, there are these motherfuckers, and motherfuckers is the right term, who don't want to wear a mask and then don't want to take the vaccine when it comes out. What do you want? What are you looking for? Okay. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Any other message of social enlightenment, or are we done on that? <laughs> no, I just like that's just my big one. Is yeah. like wear the fucking mask. Stop complaining, Karen. 
Just put it on over your face. You can breathe. I promise. That was beautiful. <laughs> I'm just that's it. There's so many other soapboxes, but I don't have the energy to get on them right now. Uh, water is life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, consent matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, wear your seatbelt. Eat your vegetables. Recycle. Yeah, I think we're a little tapped out on messages of social alignment. It's almost as if this year has been difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that phrase that you like to say? The double you say. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, that's interesting. 2020 was a garbage fire. I don't think that fire is going out yet. No. It's going to spread like, to the landfill. It's like 2020 <laughs> is like, it's got the, the bystander effect or whatever, where everybody's like, oh, no, this thing is on fire. Surely someone will call the fire department. <laughs> Surely someone will wear a mask somewhere. <laughs> That is, I believe, the official Oklahoma position towards face masks. So, yeah. When, yeah. Some of, when some of these motherfuckers die, and they're going to die, and they go to whatever version of the afterlife their their synapses firing is telling them is happening, they're going to say, but I prayed to you, God, to help me. And then God's going to say, I sent you masks. Why yeah. weren't you wearing the masks? Yep. Wow, yep. you're... you're- Yep. into a whole other character now. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hug my mom again. <laughs> Wear masks, people. <laughs> or I'm going to have to go full Liam Neeson on you. I will find you, and I will I, put that piece of like over your face. My, I would like to see my nephew, who was born on election night, <laughs> once. Before <laughs> either of us go. <laughs> That's a reasonable Big request. Mood. Yeah. Shout out to Leo. Our other Party Now Apocalypse Later podcast, As the Myth Turns, is on a hiatus right now as we work to bringing it more fully into the site. It's going better than I feared, but not as great as I had hoped. (laughs) Big mood. (laughs) That show will be up and running in total after the first of the year, definitely, because the really big question mark we managed to work through. Mm -hmm. And... It's good. You should listen to that show when it's back with episodes in 2021, the year that won't be absolutely unending horror. Partyapocalypse.com. It has books, blogs, the fourth wall, and anything for your entertainment needs. Go there and more things will come as uh, we inevitably move to whatever the opposite of Valhalla is. Um, (laughs) Nipple (laughs) Yeah, that one. (laughs) Eris, you have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can find me at Eris O'Reilly uh, over at YouTube. That is all one word, no spaces or anything like that. I re- Currently, I have two series going on right now. They're both video game Let's Plays. One of this Lovecraftian horror game that I've been playing with my fiancé, soon-to-be husband, CJ. It's called Darkest Dungeon, and it is very scary, and it stresses me out. That's why he's controlling the keyboard on that one. The other series is uh, technically speaking it's the game Skyrim, but I've modded the ever-loving hell out of it, and I've turned it into Legend of Zelda, so we're playing that one. Fingers crossed, hopefully in the next, like, a uh, couple of weeks to a month or so, I might actually start having some animations on that channel as well. So check it out. Z, you got a TikTok. I got a TikTok where I do some stuff. Um, You can follow me at Oseladoti on TikTok. It's A-S-E-L-I-D-O-I. Honey, you got anything to plug? I have a podcast, and you're listening to it! With all that, I think we should go back to our episode. (laughs) 
And we're back. <laughs> That's the last one. I know. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're both right. <laughs> uh, anything else about uh, Devil in the Dark before we move on to Errand of Mercy? Just bones is. I'm gonna put concrete on it. <laughs> And it worked. And it worked, which is the thing. He just keeps kind of tripping up into good medical practices, which I don't understand how this man can do. <laughs> He's what House is, but on a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nope. That, that is the last word on Devil in the Dark. You can't do better than that. <laughs> So we move on to the first, but certainly not the last, appearance of the Klingons in Errand of Mercy. Back when oh, Klingons just dirty, angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of bronzer, a lot of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do they call that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's being nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if bronzer was in the uh, vocabulary in the sixties. I just have a really big problem with the bad guys being brown. Yeah. Yeah. Like fake brown too, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I... Like they couldn't even commit and hire actual brown people. We had actual, you know, people of color on the show. So it's not yeah. like reverse to that. Just a couple yeah. episodes ago. They get better. The, the, the visual style of the Klingons is a big sticking point in the Star Trek mythos. Yes. It's another situation where Kirk solves a, a situation by blowing something up. They ask him, oh, you blew it up? Of course we blew it up. And I'm like, bitches, have you met me? I'm Jim Kirk. <laughs> he <laughs> either, like, he either blows things up or he fucks his way out of the situation. Like, there's, that's it. That's his two modes he has. <laughs> he doesn't really fuck his way out of situation. He blows it up in the bedroom or he blows it up with dynamite. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Later on in the mythos, who literally can only fuck their way out of situations. Oh, this is true. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Can't wait. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. And these Klingons are, I, I mean, they, they definitely haven't figured Klingons out yet, but these are just like overly bureaucratic. I love the fact that they carry posters of their <laughs> and regulations to a newly conquer world and like, we will post them. <laughs> these were just nerd Klingons. Yeah. 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 Um, by the order of Kalis, um, you must uh, be honorable in all of your actions. Although, did anybody feel like there was some heat between the big, the main Klingon guy and Kirk? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh they were flirting. Those two I mean, were, they like, were... my final note at the end of the episode was like, I hope those two meet again in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean... Laura, shift it. There was some tension there, and it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Klingon Commander Kor uh, tells him to smile, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my god. Like, uh, I wanted to smack him so hard. But I also get that that was like a tense and fraught situation. I was like, okay, Kirk is basically a spy right now. So like, he can't break character. And then he was like, you should smile more. And I was like, Kirk, slap him for me. This is not the last time we see Kor, though. He actually shows up in the later shows in the 90s when they have different faces. When they have wrinkly faces? When they got wrinkly faces. I was very disappointed that there were no forehead wrinkles. Yeah, it's going to be a while before we get the forehead wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah. I came here for Vulcan nerve pinches and wrinkly Klingon foreheads. And so far, all I've gotten are Vulcan pinches. All throughout the original series, they are these swarthy dudes that don't look 
definitely. Yeah, they're brown. Yeah. Some <laughs> of them look a little paler as time goes on, but they all are swarthy. And then after after the original series, starting with the movies, they, they get their forehead ridges. Ah. And yeah. are played by actual men of color. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd plays a Klingon at one point. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He's the main bad guy in the third movie. Did they put him in blackface? Not really, but there is some bronzer applied. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> right. <sighs> yeah, like there's some <laughs> problematic choices, obviously here that I don't feel at all qualified, but I'm definitely, you know, pointing them out and saying, "Icky, no." Yeah. So I'm just gonna talk about the Organians now. <laughs> I, I'm very sus of it. Very yeah. Sad. Yes. Yeah. It, it's yes, and and you're, you're not yeah 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 yeah. There's no, there's no arguing around it. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say that with all the restrictions on gatherings, I do feel like if we had a Klingon garrison here on Earth, we'd be doing better right now. Uh, okay, fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really looking for fascist overlords right now, but at the same time, I'm looking for at least some structure because it feels yeah. like there is none. So yeah. you no. Know. I mean, all, all all these Karens and Chads just be like, hey, freedom, and then they get just, you know, right in the sternum with a batleth. Yeah. There, here's your freedom. For Kalos's glory! <laughs> I mean, there's gotta be some people out there who cosplay as Klingons uh-huh. who could just go to stores and hand out masks to people and, like... This sounds just... like something I need to be doing right now. I know. Holy shit, I'm into this. <laughs> My hair's almost Klingon like, length. I don't yeah, know. some sort of mask squad, you know, terrify the people. <laughs> I still kind of want to do <gasps> Vulcan. We could be called the Masqueraders! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> new podcast. Let's, let's make sure all of our podcasts are up and running before we start making new ones. <laughs> I want to change the subject a little bit. I knew the Organians had something up their sleeves. The show telegraphed that. I actually was not expecting LOL were gods. So like how through the episode i'm like what is going on with these people like they are way too passive for basically having been completely taken over and i just wrote down like are they just really intense larpers like (laughs) like do they have a secret power but they're like we are dedicated to this whole medieval lifestyle so like we are play acting you know (laughs) because we know that we can exit the scene whenever we want and then go back to the safety of our home. So we're just like really intense in the moment. And they don't re- like, I was trying to figure out so badly, like, why are they not upset by this? Do they think that this is a game? Like what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, it's, it's just it's really totally, chill. <laughs> I totally thought that their secret superpower or whatever was that they're a bunch of snitches. Like the Klingon dude's like, what's going on here? And Aylborn's like, oh, he's Captain James T. Kirk. And Kirk is like, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, in that moment, I was like, wait, did the Klingons beat the Federation down? And like, they've already made the deal with the Klingons? Like, cause I was like, why are y'all so calm? You know, <laughs> like, you just immediately like, this is the captain. <laughs> Like, and and Kirk was so let's throw the prime directive completely out the window and I want to force you to do what I want no matter what or I want this war and he gets all riled up about it and I'm like you are just way overreacting these guys are chill they seem fine maybe just leave them alone I'll say this I really appreciate the end where they basically call Kirk out on his stupid bullshit 
Yes. And, and he's just like, you want war? And he's like, nobody wants a war. <laughs> like, nobody wants a war. Like, he went, like, almost full Karen there. And, <laughs> and, and I love that they actually were like, hold up, homeboy. <laughs> like, we're going to have to have a discussion when we get back on this ship. And then Kirk is all, like, talking to Spock, going, like, so it turns out that there's gods. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> lol my bad i like the end of this episode i really did <laughs> it's it's not a bad episode for all the things that age poorly about it right right yeah i definitely think there's there could be some correlation for the creatures in deep space nine that they call the prophets like i think there could be some similarities there true these two species true the organian peace treaty is like the governing document of the galaxy until like the sixth movie really yeah like they that shit sticks (laughs) it it, it gets to the it gets them to a like a cold war situation until the klingons version of chernobyl blows up and then they have to make a more formal peace okay okay that's interesting yeah I did not know that. I, I, I honestly just assumed that this was like a one-off, like this is how we end the episode and that we just never talk about it again. I don't think they ever talk about the episodes. I may be thinking of like books and comic books and stuff nah. where they're like, oh, we can't, the, the terms <laughs> of the Organian Peace Treaty are very clear. We, that uh, may be why I don't know this. <laughs> that may be why. Or maybe I made it okay. up. We'll never know. Uh, did anybody notice that the guy sitting at the end of the ta- the Organian table looked exactly like present day Chevy Chase? <laughs> No, just you. I didn't. No, I said I it and you were but, like, yes, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But I, I didn't, I was not drawn to to mm. notice it until you said it. All right. All right. <laughs> well, then that's all I have to say about that. God, that Toby Chase gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. He's in everything. Wow, that's really all I have to say about that. I mean, it was a military episode. I don't yeah. connect well with military episodes usually. So I have to admit, a little bit in the middle there, I was kind of zoning out. Um, but the end picks that back up. Yeah. Kirk's shoes were really cute. <laughs> <laughs> they were. <laughs> okay, also, hold up. We are going to have to talk about historical costuming here. <laughs> right, because it sucked. But those shoes were really cute. First of all, they didn't change his actual boots. They just put, I mean, him and Spock both, they were still wearing their boots. And first of all, I was like, that was the first thing. And I was like, they're spies. They're the spies. They don't have... Like, everyone else is in period costume here, and they still got, like, nice, shiny new fucking boots, except they've got, like, the fur on top of them, which is from, like, that's, like, 12th century Danish, and they've got this whole other thing happening with their tunics, and I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, I'm gonna go way, way too, somebody fucking buzz me. I'm way too deep into this costume thing. <laughs> Well, they did sort of wander onto a set of what was probably a King Arthur movie or Robin <laughs> I, Hood. Yes. <laughs> we haven't I buzzered mean, anybody in a while. I'm so proud of us. Uh, <laughs> We've learned to keep our mouths shut. So as much as I had that little mini breakdown there, I really enjoyed the stark difference between the costuming between these two episodes because like I was complaining about in the first episode of The Devil in the Dark, like, they're all wearing jumpsuits. Like, that's it. That's the only thought they put in. Be like, oh, it's the future. I guess they wear jumpsuits. And then in here, where they're visiting another planet, so you get all the Klingons, and they have their dress. Then, you, of course, you have, like, the kind of standard, like, uh, uniforms now that we we see every episode of the Star Star Trek uh, fleet 
you know, uniforms. And then you get to see the Organians in their dress. So I don't, it just, it was really fun. It was like, man, the costumers must have had like fun this episode, having to like pull all this material together. I really liked that part. I'm just like, yeah, costumes. <laughs> like it. Look at that material. Look, I would look say how you the, break that. <laughs> you know, despite some things not aging well in terms of quality and uh, things they just shouldn't have done, but there's a lot to like in both of these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Real. Oh, sorry. One one last thing. I got a tiny nitpick, um, which I actually think it weirdly works. So the fit of the main Organian dude, like the one in the purple road, Avablard, whatever his name is, um, that was actually fitted very well to that actor. And the tunic that they shoved Kirk in was not fitted well. Um <laughs> And then at first I was like, okay, come on. But then I was like, wait, this is basically Avalard going like, shit, we got to dress you up real quick before these Klingons kill you on sight. So he just like probably just found something, just like found whatever, you know, <laughs> like quick, this will fit. All right, eh, close enough. Anyway, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that they had one costume fit very well and one costume that was like, eh. <laughs> the, <laughs> the costuming game throughout the Star Trek franchise is... Spotty. Often bizarre, and <laughs> it is wild whenever they decide to change the uniforms on a show because, oh. like, they never quite have the right sizes for everybody. So there's a couple of weeks oh. where nobody's wearing real clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Unless anybody else had anything for Aaron and Mercy, we are running a little long on time. We ran a little long in the first segment, so. I'm good. Are you good? Laura, you got anything? Nope. I I think that covers it. <laughs> okay. Then I think we'll uh, bounce out of this segment a little early and keep our time under control a little bit. Next time, your away team will move on very so much closer to that final part of the first season with one of the most beloved episodes of the original series of all time, The City on the Edge of Forever. Also, we'll watch The Alternative Factor, which is... Unfortunately, not. not. <laughs> One episode that is is fascinating in the story of its production and, and just the story of its uh, uh, its own story. And, and one episode that tests my faith as a Star Trek fan. <laughs> <laughs> tests my patience and my nerves. But we'll talk about that next time. Bye, guys! Bye! Bye.